Hi, this is Joe Rubenstein, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap Art fans. This is Rick Verbanis, and you are listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. In fact, it is episode 156. And normally this is the time where I say welcome to the best gosh darn co-host out there. But unfortunately, Bob couldn't make this episode. So uh, as they say, the show must go on. But I do have a guest here today and I'm very excited. Uh, We're going to have on uh, we're talking a new segment, really. Uh, This is a new segment. We're calling it Art Captivated. And uh, we're going to talk to a guest during this segment who is a collector of Captain America original art and talk through uh, their collection and, and uh, really get into the whole uh, craze of, of um, original art that has seemed to, to hit a lot of collectors over the last few years, including yours truly. And so we'll get into that uh, in a moment, but um, you know, I, I will say before I introduce uh, uh, our guest, um, uh, I have been into original art since I want to say between 2017 and 2018. Um, so not that long ago compared to a lot of other people out there. Um, but there's been plenty of times where there's been a piece that I wanted to get and I and 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 someone else got it. And so I'm having that someone else on the show today. Uh, he's he's the Newman to my Seinfeld. And that is. Alberto Gonzalez. Welcome to the show, Alberto. Hey, Rick. How are you? Ah, doing great. Glad to have you. I'm always glad to be someone's nemesis, or I can be your Red Skull to your Captain America or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Now, before I, I don't want to get into like a a Paul Simon song, uh, but do you (laughs) prefer Alberto or Al? Um, Whatever's easier. You can call me Al and not make any Paul Simon references in there, but... um, (laughs) I don't want to get yeah, sued. It's probably easier than having to say Alberto every time you want to refer to me through this conversation. So, all right. Well, whatever you prefer, it's, it's, <laughs> it's all right. Um, and, and you know what? I'm going to let you call me Rick. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Um, all right. So, yeah. I, and I, I joke about uh, the whole Newman reference, but the original art community is a pretty small niche community there. You know, uh, I say it's, it's growing and expanding and it is, but it's still pretty small compared to let's say the comic book community um, by, by a large stretch. It's, it's, it's pretty um, minuscule. And so let's start with your interest in comic books, right? Because I think a lot of us, comic art fans all started with comic books and while you were um you currently live in the bay area um Mm -hmm. on the west coast of of the united states but you did um you know originally from spain and you 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 grew up uh reading comics in the 1980s so tell us a little bit about growing up in spain what was the comics like over there compared to american comics and you know who your favorite characters were and and what got you interested yeah, I mean, um, like a lot of us, right? I started reading comics from a young age and it all started just, um, yeah, I lived in Madrid and I took the subway to and from school from a pretty young age, um, like 12 uh, years old, uh, all by myself. And on the way home, there was this little newsstand in the middle of the street that had comic books. So many, I stopped kind of... Um, by there almost every day on the way in and they started talking to me and knowing me and started pulling comics aside whenever they would come out in Spain um they basically knew to pull uh to the side any marvel comics that came out because they knew that that's from the beginning what i liked um and it was the 80s and back then my favorite would be um uh, captain america and daredevil from the beginning i think were the ones that i Mm-hmm. was drawn out to the most and Avengers but um yeah the comics there were ultimately not that different from the U.S. the comics were the same the only thing is they came up instead of monthly every six weeks and they were like 32 pages long so it had like an issue and a half for every comic I'm not sure why that 
decision was made because it was kind of odd to mm-hmm. have an issue and a half every six weeks um, based on the U.S. material. But and that means only that one out of every three covers would kind of not be shown as a cover in those comics because and they would just kind of be inserted in there. So there were a lot of covers that I never got to see, but I just, um, yeah, ultimately loved the characters, read them whenever they came out. And back in the 80s, um, what I remember was mostly, yes, the Zek run was in there, the Burn run was um, in there, probably some of the um, Paul Neary run later on in the Mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s. And that's probably what I would say I remember um, the most fondly in that era. And I feel like it was the area of the big crossovers back in Marvel too. It was the acts of vengeance with the Avengers. Oh yeah. um, Inferno and all of those from the X titles. There was a lot of that operation galactic storm kind of came up around that era. So it was the era of those big um, crossovers that almost made you have to buy every single Marvel series anyway. Um, And were you that kind of guy that was like, Oh, I got to get these other other yeah, like I said, I crossovers. bought pretty much every Marvel comic that was being uh, released at that time. Uh, so, yeah, I got everything by default, even though I had my favorites, but I still got pretty much everything anyway. Yeah. And so you, you it's interesting with the the comics you said were about a, a an issue and a half. What kind was there like a delay uh, and how long was there delay between like, say, a U.S published uh captain america i don't know let's just say 300 mm-hmm. when when would that have come out in spain the delay wasn't horrible i want to say at most it was about a year um so probably enough to just kind of make sure that they had enough of a backlog of comics and then of course the time to get them translated and um do whatever edits might be appropriate for the Spanish audience and kind of get it packaged, but it wasn't a horrible delay that they were five years behind just um, enough that if there were delays in the U S for whatever reason, um, they would not have to be impacted by those delays necessarily. Mm. And and so when did you make it over to America? I came over for college, uh, which was 93 when I moved to the U S which um I kind of had lost a little bit of interest in comics at that time. I felt like the 90s became too much um, of the 90s for me. So I kind of lost track a little bit through that Rick Levins run and Cap Wolf and then the Heroes Were Born and Rob Liefeld kind of taking over and then rebooting every year or every couple of years. I kind of got disconnected from there. And then again, in college, usually everybody has a different interest. Um, Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I stopped there and then after I graduated and I kind of came on my own, I started again, probably in the early two thousands, I started collecting comics again and reading it. And then, um, yeah, by that time for sure, I got drawn by the Steve Epting run and Mm -hmm. those runs that started there, um, until more recently, of course. Yeah. So that time was, I, right before Epting. So you were probably on the Cassidy run, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and, and so on. Um so you went from Paul Neary to the Cassidy run. So there's a big gap there. Uh at some point did you go back and collect those comics and read them? Yeah. Um at some point um before I kept moving from place to place, I ended up putting together the full Captain America run. And I was never a fan of slabs anyway. So every comic that I bought to complete the run, I ended up reading it. So I did end up catching up on everything that happened again there. Yeah, the Here and Dwyer run mm-hmm. thing was in there leading. Great stuff. To, um yeah, Rick Levins and the Ron Friends uh that happened before Rick Levin. So that whole era in there. Um and then Hoover. Yeah. Hoover yeah. and Johnson and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I definitely caught that up more. Yeah. After 2000, as I started filling my collection, I read everything again, which I don't know if anyone 
if no one has ever done it, it's definitely fun to find the time and start reading the whole Captain America series from the beginning to the latest issues. Um, kind of like binge watching a show on Netflix, but reading the <laughs> whole thing um, over a couple of months, probably at this point, since there's 700 plus issues. Right. Well, okay. Well, more than a couple months for me, but uh, I, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Okay. So I know a lot of people think that I'm like, um, I don't know, this Captain America, huge fan, uh, encyclopedia, whatever. I will tell you, I have not read every Captain America issue. And here's why. I'm, uh, I'm one of those guys who doesn't like to read a story in the middle of a I like read an issue in the middle of a story arc. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I have every issue to that story arc. Now, I started collecting Captain America on a regular basis in 280 with 286, I want to say. Um, but it was the beginning of the the Deathlock story arc. Mm -hmm. Right. And I started collecting that monthly from 286. And I, I've never stopped. I've I've collected ever since. So I went in and filled in the previous 200, you know, I'm sorry, 185 issues, yeah. right? And then I filled in the Tales of Suspense 58 through 99. And I was like, in my mind, I'm going to go. Now I, I went and I've read a bunch of them. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but I haven't read all of them. But in my mind, I was going to do what you did. And I was going to start at the beginning. I was like, I'm going to start with Tales of Suspense 58. And I'm just going to read uh, um, uh, until, you know, catch up on everything. Uh, I think it's going to have to wait till I retire. <laughs> I, 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 you, you know, it's so funny. Like people have like retirement goals. There you go. One of my retirement goals is for me to sit and read my full run of Captain America from, st from start to finish. Yeah. And I think it was easier when we started collecting because I feel like there were more standalone issues back in the 80s and 90s you didn't necessarily have to read the stories the way they are today where they seem like stories are now built in 12 13 mm. 14 issue story arcs and I'm like you I hate having to wait for a story to finish uh, I cannot do the monthly issues I cannot watch tv shows anymore that are a weekly basis and have to wait for the next episode one week later. Um, I don't have the patience. So yes, um, I I can relate to that challenge of not wanting to read in the middle of a story arc. All right. So when did you switch to collecting art? At, at what point did you say, um, you know what? I, I, I want to start. I want to, you know, I, I have the comics, but now mm -hmm. I want to own a page or, or something from comics. And then also, you know, it, it, we'll get to it too. We'll, we'll get to um, commissions and, you know, uh, sketchbooks and things like that too, because that's all part of the original art mm -hmm. process. But I know your collection is a really a large, largely published pieces. So when did you start, when did you switch to collecting art and, and how did you get started? I started the way I feel a lot of our people in the comic art collecting community started, which was, um, I was living in Boston. I was reading those issues. I was starting back with my collecting of comic books and trying to put together that full Captain America run, as I was mentioning. And um, I went to my first comic show, which was back in the day, one of the wizard shows that they have. And one of them was in Boston. Um, mm -hmm. And I attended there. I was able to start um, stopping by the booths of some of the artists there, getting to know them. They had some pieces in there that were doing sketches. Back in the day, they were doing free sketches, a lot of the artists, because I don't think they were worried about people running and putting them on eBay as soon as they did them and trying to profit from their work. So you could get sketches from artists pretty much um, for free or for like 25 bucks or something ridiculous. And I got some sketches in there. I purchased my first um, published page. It was a Tales of Suspense 94 with um, Modoc in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my first page. And I couldn't believe I spent 
what I spent back in the day, which I think was like $2,000. So it's laughable for one of what one of those pages would go for these days. But um, mm, yeah, I got it, but I mostly focused on commissions. I thought it was cool back in the day to be able to reach out to artists and tell them, hey, I would like you, I loved your run on Captain America. Would you mind doing... Um, a drawing of Captain America for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I started those cons and then I started finding um, contact information from those artists and I would start emailing them and reaching out to them and um, getting those. And that's what I did for pretty much my first five, six years of collecting. And it was only, I would say after 2010 that I really got into the more published uh, art because yeah i was finished with business school and i had paid all my loans by then i had a little bit more disposable money and mm -hmm. um i think it became easier to also find pages with the internet and all sorts of comic websites and artist reps it became easier to find um pages and be able to purchase them and add them to my collection yeah i think i think a lot a lot of people did start with the with the sketchbook mm -hmm. right uh going to the conventions and i remember buying a sketchbook um back in i don't know 25 years ago you know something like that maybe a little bit longer and and going there it's but i feel like i feel like that's like the gateway drug mm -hmm. right i feel like it's you're absolutely right you you there's a thrill in meeting the creators mm -hmm. there's a thrill in in you know, commissioning them and asking them to do something. Uh, and I think, I think at, at some point, and, and many of us, you know, still do that. Um, but then, then you get to see a page of an issue you actually he held in your hands. Uh, and, and that's a whole different feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I don't know if things have changed now for, newer collectors because like I said when I started I feel like the collectors were uh, the artists were a lot more approachable and they were doing sketches for like for free or for $25 and they were happy to talk to you and just get it done um, mm -hmm. these days when you go to those shows a lot of them have to put um, sketch lists ahead of time and get them um, approved and they try to make sure they're personalized and try to prevent it. What they don't want is um, doing sketches for close to nothing. And then immediately after the show, people put them up on eBay and try to make money off of their yeah. easy sketches. So I feel like that has changed for sure um, for a lot of the artists that soured on, yeah, trying to do something for the fans and then having those fans not really be fans and profiting from it. Yeah, I, I think... Gosh, you know, the whole collectible industry, it didn't matter what it was. I think a lot of that has happened and it really soured it for other people because, you know, I'm also a sports fan, right? And I collect uh, some things, you know, for my favorite sports team. And, and there are, you know, people who go get autographs on something and then they turn around and they sell it and make make this money. And, and the athletes are the same way, you know, they're just like, you know, okay, you know, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit less likely just to, fr you know, freely give out an autograph because they see so many people turn around and and, and profit off of them. Yeah. Um. You know, so I, I think it's, a, you know, it's unfortunately just part of the whole collectible mentality out there. And, you know, people, people, you know, I, heck, I used to own a comic book store. I, I made money off these things. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, and, and so I can't I can't like throw throw stones here in any any glass houses but um but yeah i i hear what you're saying it was still great to get a chance to meet and talk to them and especially if you get a chance to go to shows these days um most of the attention is always on a lot of the newer artists and how the some of the best conversations i've had has been with artists that just don't necessarily get the recognition or not as flashy anymore, but they had great runs back in the silver or bronze age. Um, I've gotten a chance to go to cons. Like, yeah, and back, for example, Herb Trimpey back in the day, yes, he created 
Wolverine, uh, you can say, but his booth was empty and nobody was going to talk to him. And he did a great pencil sketch for me um, and was appreciative of people, uh, yeah, paying attention to him while the line for a Jim Lee or an Adam right. Hughes would have like a hundred people waiting for it just to be able to say hi and get a signature. So um, I would recommend for sure folks that get a chance to go and meet their artists and yeah, uh, get a chance to chat with some of the older artists. And I think the beauty of Captain America is we've had comics for what, 70 years. So there's plenty of artists across all ages that, um, yeah, that might not be trendy anymore, but are mm -hmm. still incredibly appreciative um, yeah. of our love for their work. That that is an excellent point, Alberto. I I I know there's been some times where I regretted that I didn't meet a couple of um legendary creators mm -hmm. at shows, you know, because uh well, quite frankly, I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, I just I wasn't as well informed on it. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. So speaking speaking of creators now, I, I want to get into who is your Captain America artist, Mount Rushmore. But before I do that, um, I want to talk about your huge Captain America collection. All right. So um, I listen, it's all pers it's all perspective, right? People, you know, might look at my collection and, you know, think that it's it's a it's a a huge collection and and quite frankly i'm 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 very grateful for it and uh and but i then i look at yours <laughs> and and it's uh it's quite on another level um so i'm 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 on this uh it and for people who are interested in getting more information about collecting art there's a wonderful website out there uh and and there's a, a a guy by the name of bill cox who who started this and uh it's comicartfans.com and so highly recommend you check it out and just use the search engine and and look for characters look for creators and uh you're just going to be uh, absolutely amazed it's like going to a virtual museum and so uh i'm going on to comic art fans which we refer to as calf and uh, you, you, everybody has their own gallery. I have a gallery. Alberto has a gallery. And I'm on his page right now. And I'm just going to throw out his his individual galleries and then the number of pieces that are in each gallery. Just for the cap stuff. All right. Captain America commissions, 24. Captain America and Sharon Carter commissions, 14. Captain America and Red Skull commissions, 13. Then we get into published stuff, right? So we have Captain America Annual Number Seven, which is near and dear to your heart. You collect, you wanted to complete that whole story. You've got twenty-five pieces in that gallery, just to Captain America Annual Seven alone. Captain America covers, covers, forty-nine. Captain America inks over Kirby, 17. Captain America panel pages, 53. Captain America splash pages, 21. And then you have like over a hundred and so more other things not Captain America related. So just to put this in perspective, you have more Captain America covers than I have Captain America pieces published and unpublished combined. So um, this is a this is a really amazing collection and and we'll get into to some of this a little bit but um wow i mean you know i i i'm just in awe of looking at this because you have pieces from so many different time periods right you you've got cool. 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s uh in the last 25 years as well and and even older um so I don't know where even to start here, Alberto. Uh, it's just amazing collections that you have. So let's start with, I guess, the easy question. What is your favorite or most proud piece that you have in your collection? Um, that's us asking somebody who their favorite kit is. Um, oh, I could I can answer that very easily. <laughs> I only have one, so there's not a whole oh, okay. question there. So that's pretty easy for me. But um, honestly, I think 
it changes over time. And I think with art and a lot of us that have been reading Captain America over time, our tastes evolve. Back when I first started, yes, I like that 80s and 90s, well, mostly 80s art style with, like I said, Zach, Byrne and how clean they are. And I thought Kirby and Romita were sometimes, especially Kirby, a little bit wonky or Gene Colan with his anatomy. And I was like, eh, I'm not sold on their art. And I only start appreciating that after um, several years. And the first, the same thing with John Romita's run, right? Uh, when that JRJR run um, with Zola and all that stuff. And I know you've covered a lot of those issues individually in your podcast. When I first saw JRJR Styles, I felt like it was a little too blocky and I wasn't sold. And it was only after a few years after that run had finished that I read it again and I got much more interested and appreciative of that art. So um, it's hard. I would say right now, honestly, though, one of my favorite pieces would be um, maybe to your disappointment because that's what causes uh, a little bit of a friendly rivalry has been um, Zach pieces for sure and mm -hmm. Kirby pieces uh, but Kirby pieces are obviously a lot more rare and ex well maybe not expensive because um, Zach can pick up in price but definitely more rare and harder to obtain uh, from collectors for sure um, but I would say that's probably um, yeah what I'm focusing on and what I'm enjoying the most right now. And do you have one, uh, anything that you would say is the most unique or, or rarest? Uh, I mean, cause it's hard to say rare, right? Because yeah. every one of these is, is a unique item. There's all, they're all one of a kind, but mm -hmm. you know, is there some, anything that you would say is just, it stands out in the fact that it's unique or rare because it's, it's hard to get. The one I'm happiest to, own and it's going to be a two-part um here is earlier this year maybe it was late last year the entire tales of suspense 59 story came out right and as we mm -hmm. all know that was the first um captain america story uh sharing the title with iron man and all that stuff and that whole issue came um up for sale broken up and i was able to snatch one of the pages from that story yes it doesn't have captain american action it's only there um he's only there in a panel or two but he's holding a picture of bucky i think it's the second or third page of the story and just being able to own a piece of that first captain america story just made me incredibly happy yes it was the cheapest page of the entire issue i fell through the cracks because it went for half of what any of the other pages um went for so I was able to snatch that and I was incredibly happy in a way to have that be my grail just like people collecting comics everybody knows that the first appearance or the first issue is always um, the most important one only to realize a couple months after I saw a page from Tales of Suspense 58 which was still only Iron Man but it was when Iron Man and Captain America got together so um, it was not Kirby, um, but I was able to get a page for Tales of Suspense 58 uh, of that. And I would say those two are probably my um, pride, yeah, my proudest pieces in my collection. And just because of the Tales of Suspense 59 and the value of that as a first story, of course, it would be great to have a golden age, but those are impossible because they were mostly destroyed but then being able to say i have a page from the issue before captain america's first issue is also cool no, I, I, absolutely i mean it's amazing uh i remember when those pages came up on on auction and uh you and i were kind of chatting back and forth while while you were uh contemplating it and and, you know, let's let's talk about that just real quick. I mean, you and I have been talking with each other, I don't know, like two and a half, three years, something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, we we kind of ping each other back and forth and, and talk about uh, auctions that are coming up. You you have brought things to my attention. I have brought things to your attention. Um, we 
we do have, um, you know, uh, kind of share some, you know, what do you think this is going to go for? Or what, I don't know what, you know, what do you think this is going to go for? What, what do you think the max is, you know, we could spend on something like this. And so, um, you know, I, I valued that because, uh, you know, as someone who, who loves Captain America art as much as I do, um, you know, I, I value the, the ability to, to kind of chat with someone, you know, on that level. And, and, and so that I've really appreciated that the last, you know, two or three years. Um, but, you know, I do, I do have a, a funny story uh, that uh, I will share. Um, so you and I, I you like, you know, I have, I have a Zek cover and it, it, it's the pride of my collection. Um, and I have uh, issue 266. You have issue 265. You actually have four Zek covers. So <laughs> I'm so jealous, but um, anyway, you were, you were on there when I got my, my 266, you know, and like, I, I think I told you, um, that I was shaking, right. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, I never spent that much money on myself, uh, ever. And, uh, it was a big, big deal for me, uh, a huge investment. And, um, you know, so we, you know, we've had that, those types of conversations. And I remember, uh, you were, you, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I can only afford like really one big thing a year like that. Oh. You know, that's, that's what I can do. And you, uh, last year, I think it was in, uh, about a year ago, actually it was in September and you were bidding on another Zek cover and it, it's uh two seventy seven, mm -hmm. and it's the one that has cap in chains and he's in a, in a dungeon. And then there's Baron Zemo and Arnim Zola standing over top of him. And it, it's actually an homage to a Neil Adams detective comics cover. And uh, I knew the guy who was selling it. I had made an offer to him uh, earlier that year and he, he turned it down. And so he put it at auction and you and I are chatting back and forth. And uh, you had said, Oh yeah, well, didn't get it. Then two months later, I see it in your calf gallery <laughs> and, and I ping you and I'm like, uh, what's going on with this? <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, I, um, I want it. I, I, uh, I, I didn't realize I want it, but, uh, I guess I did. Yeah. And, um, to be honest, that can be, and this has happened to me after the fact too, as well. It even happened this weekend. The problem with a lot of those big auction houses is that they end up having Two prices one which is the price that you want to pay but then on top of that they tack 15 or 20 percent depending on the action house on top of that and then they list that final yeah, buyer's price. premium many yeah times, many times when you see the price and it was like oh it sold for this much that's more than the maximum that i had bid on it and you don't realize that it's because they tack that price but without that price it was within the limits of what i had actually bid on and sometimes i do get confused because i'm like hey i'm bidding up to let's say ten thousand dollars and then you see that it goes for eleven thousand is like oh i didn't get it but it's like yeah i got it because it was less than ten thousand dollars but with a 20 percent premium it ended up being over eleven thousand dollars so i actually was the winning bidder and it's hard to sometimes notice it until you get the invoice a day or two Later and in Heritage, it can be four days later because the auctions start on Thursday and they finish on Sunday, and you don't end up getting the invoice until the entire auction for the weekend has finished. So many times it's like, oh, I want it. And then, of course, you have to figure out how to <laughs> pay for it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's happened to me. And it almost happened this weekend. Um, you know, I got the other Zek cover and I thought, I didn't get it and it was going to go for more and I saw the final price. But this time I was like, okay, yeah, I actually did get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You just won uh Captain America cover 259, which is uh, the Mike Zek cover. Yeah, yeah. And it's cap battling Dr. Octopus, which is, is an amazing cover. Uh, we, we, we covered the issue not too long ago here on the podcast and I actually had a page to that uh, issue yeah. and I ended up uh, selling it, but 
um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's Zach cover number four for you. I mean, you're on a roll. Yeah. And what I will say back to what you were saying before is yes, the comic art community is small, but I think it's also very supportive and collaborative. There's been a lot of auctions where a collector will say, Hey, I'm really interested in that piece. And I'm like, okay, normally I would be interested too, but I already have an example by that artist and you, um, and there you offer to not necessarily bid on a page that you probably would have normally bid on just because you see somebody else really interested in it. And you and I have talked a few times about the same thing. Oh, yeah. like you will tell me, Hey, I'm interested in this page. This is the max that I'm willing to pay for. And if one of us is willing to go a little bit higher, we step out and don't necessarily bid up and make the other pay more than they have to and just, yeah, uh, step aside. And that happens actually a lot with a lot of longstanding collectors that there's this gentleman's agreement sometimes that if there's a page that you really, really want, that some of the folks in the community will step back to let you try to get it. Um, doesn't yeah. always happen, but I think it's more collaborative than you would expect, I think. It's not a cutthroat um, community necessarily. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That that's It is very fair. Um, I, I know you and I have had conversations like that uh, a few times over, over the last few years about you know, are you interested in this one? Okay, well, I'll step back. And I know, you know, there's been a few things that I was interested in that, you know, uh, A, either I knew you were really interested and I didn't bid on it, or B, uh, you just have deeper pockets <laughs> and and I I just can't compete. Um, you know, so, so for example, here you go. The one that you just got in the mail today. Mm -hmm. You want to you tell the listeners uh, what you got in the mail today? Uh, which one? The Epting? Which one? Listen to this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, how yeah, many pages did you get in the mail today? Well, uh, just that one. But I, I was showing you that other Cassidy piece that I, oh, that okay. I yes. didn't get today. But, um, but yeah, uh, that was, uh, I don't remember exactly the story, but it was uh, Steve Epting's retelling of um, Bucky uh, holding on to that rocket back mm -hmm. in Germany and trying to disable it. And um, Steve, um, yeah, letting, well, not letting go, uh, but Steve kind of falling off the rocket and Bucky stays on it. And then the rocket explodes. Uh, the original um, story of Bucky dying uh, that we all know how much it affected Steve. So it was Steve Epting's uh, retelling of that story in a page and again it doesn't have either of them in uniform uh in yeah superhero costumes it's just in their regular i guess military clothes or military uniform and going through it and yeah i know it was a page that you and i talked about and you were interested in as well um but yeah you graciously let me <laughs> take it um yeah but you know it and that and that's the kind of thing we're talking about, right? I mean, listen, uh, and it's a beautiful page. I mean, first of all, Steve Epting, amazing artist, right? Uh, you know, his run on Captain America is just absolutely beautiful. Um, but this is a this is a great page. It's a flashback to a, a, one of the most important scenes in in Steve Roger and Bucky's history. So this is from Captain America number six, page number twelve. And uh, now you have it. And and so let's let's talk about a, uh, something else, too, um, about displaying art. Right. Um, you you have like, a, you know, I, I, I just went through the amount of of art that you have. Um, obviously, there's not enough wall space uh, in a house to display them all. So talk about how you um, when you, you get art, what do you do with it? I. I have in my office right now, and you've seen a lot of it, I have 27 pieces. I probably look like a hoarder to anybody that doesn't understand uh, the mind of a collector, but I do have 27 pieces um, posted in there. I bought, the way I display them though, is I 
but not necessarily the best quality frames, but frames that are fairly easy to remove and put a new piece in so I can rotate some of the pieces on a regular basis and not have them um, just be stuck in a closet. And I know you're big on, personally, I'm not wanting to just have arts being sitting in a closet and not being looked at on a regular basis. Art is there to be seen, enjoyed, and not hidden. Um, similar to how I think comics should not be slapped and put away. And I've never bought a slapped comic because I like them to be able to open them and read them and just go through the story myself. Um, but um, side tangent there. But yeah, I definitely enjoy every piece that I buy and I want to be able to see them on a regular basis. Some seem to stay almost forever. Some will come and go, but um, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about trying to display as much of it um, and just seeing every time you walk into a room and be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I personally get a lot of thrills of just, you know, seeing, seeing the art on the walls and, uh, and, or, you know, whether it's in framed or whether I have them displayed another way, but um, yeah, I, I totally get that. So I said before, um, wanted to get to your Captain America artist, Mount Rushmore. So who would you say uh, for your top four artists for Captain America, who, who would be up there on your Mount Rushmore? I pretty much agree with your community. I know I was there when the whole voting took place earlier this year for your Mount Rushmore artists. I would definitely list... Um, and I'm going to try to go back in chronological order. Um, I would definitely list Kirby um, in there. Um, I would list um, Zek in there. I would list Steve Epting in there. Um, I probably would list, and maybe this is more nostalgia than anything else but i really enjoyed neary's run maybe it was a little bit more interesting and i have some of the covers in there i think they're a lot of fun like i have the one where batrock is kind of like um jumping at him and there is a couple of villains in the background mm -hmm. just looking at him and kind of yeah, machete laughing. and yeah. zaran right yeah and there uh, and then there's one with hawkeye and then you have Captain America holding the bow and arrow and Hawkeye having um, Captain America's shield. And yeah, they have some friendly banter. I think that's one of few covers that I have that actually have a word balloon in there, which I think is always fun because you don't see that a lot. But I think- Not on covers, no. Yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely um, in there. Like I mentioned earlier, I built an appreciation for- John Romita Jr.'s run um, in there. So I would probably list it at this point as one of my top artists. The rest is hard. Well, you, you've given I... me five so far. Okay. So I'll, I'll stick to so... that as my top five. Maybe Mount Rushmore with an extra head added in there just for fun. Um, okay, we'll, we'll draw but, an extra head in, yes. Yeah, um, but I also will say... Um, as much as I like some of those older stories, I really have enjoyed the recent Captain America Sentinel of Liberty with Carmen Canero art. I oh, think yeah. she did a great work in that um, series as well. And I was very pleasantly surprised. It kind of looked a little bit like old school in some of that uh, art. And it almost reminded me a little bit of Epting, but I yeah, I can see that, that um, more then I've enjoyed most newer art. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you brought up that that cover with uh by Paul Neary with Cap with Hawkeye, you mm -hmm. know, in, in the word balloon. We just covered this issue two episodes ago. So, mm -hmm. and it was funny. I was on the episode. I was telling Bob, I know the guy who owns the cover to this. Uh, <laughs> and, and also we're covering Castaway and Dimension Z. And I'm like, yeah, I know the guy who owns the cover to this. Uh, so yeah, your your name has come up a few times on the show. So we've been talking a lot about uh, your published pieces, but do you have any favorite commissions that you, that you love? I 
enjoy a lot of the permissions just because of the memory of interactions with the artist. And they're not always the um, most glamorous or famous artists, but is just like, for example, one, I have only three unpublished pieces in my wall and they're right next to um, my office. One that happens to be Esteranko just because I was able to get that, not directly from him, uh, but it's unpublished. And he's to me, one, an amazing artist that I wish he'd done more work on Captain America. I think his shield stuff and Nick Fury was great, but I have a Herb Trimpey, like I mentioned in there. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. It just says to Alberto, all, uh, yeah, all the best to you. And he drew that for me at a con here in San Francisco. And um, I have one from Brian Postman who um, didn't do a whole lot of work on Captain America. As a matter of fact, I think all he did was that Captain America annual seven. But when I started trying to put that story together, I interacted with him and I talked to him and I got some of the pages from him and he drew a commission from me. And that was just um, a memory of that interaction in, um, in there that to me is very special. I also talked a lot with Aaron Lopresti for a while, which again, I don't think ever worked on Captain America, but I loved his art style in there. And I have a few pieces by him that I think he did an amazing job with and um, some Bob Layton work. So I think to me, commissions are about the story and the interaction with the artists themselves uh, that make it a great experience. I know so many people that refuse to do commissions these days just because some artists seem to take two, three, four or five years to get through their commission lists after yeah, yeah. you send them money. And I, for one, don't have the patience for that either. So I've always tried to go for um, traditionally reliable artists that are dependable and um, famous for being dependable. Yeah, no, I, I agree that, you know, it's challenging out there because uh, some artists treat it like a business and will, um, you know, are very quick. Like I, I've had some, you know, back during COVID, during the pandemic, you know, I wanted to support the artists because, you know, the conventions were shut down. And, and so they, you know, their livelihood wasn't, you know, was very much in, impacted. So I, um, you know, I, I, and of course, during during COVID, you know, I think a lot of us had retail therapy going on too, right? So I'm spending money and and I'm I'm justifying it by saying I'm I'm helping starving artists, right? And uh, you know, there were some that you know got the commission, boom, dump, boom, had it within two weeks. Yep. And then there are some that you just had to hound and chase, and you know, it might be five months, six months, seven months later, or whatever. Um. So yeah, and and those. Those artists, uh, those names get circulated out there and, you know, uh, but for whatever reason, they still get work. Um, you know, people want to, they want something from that artist and and they're willing to to wait a very, very long time. And I've, I've heard some stories. I, I, I saw one uh, last week in one of the, the original art Facebook groups. Um, somebody had finally gotten something for 10 years, mm -hmm. 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, that's ridiculous. And uh, I saw that you recently posted one from Chris Samney that I think was a great piece that with Captain America and Daredevil, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I don't know how long that one took, but um, probably well, it, not too long. It, okay, so first of all, you and I both share that our favorite characters are Captain mm -hmm. America and Daredevil. So mm -hmm. we definitely have that in common. Um, yeah, so Chris Samney, who had you know, some really good runs on Captain America. He, mm -hmm. he worked with Mark Wade and, and, uh, and also with, um, Ed Brubaker, mm -hmm. uh, on Captain America, but then he also, uh, had an amazing run on Daredevil. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've been after trying to get him to do a commission for a while. And he, he puts these things up on his website and he's like, you know, I'm doing 12 commissions this year or, or whatever. And, you know, there's this much money 
and I'll put them on sale at, at I don't know, 10 a.m. on Sunday or something like that. And then you go on there and you type all your information in. It's like going to Ticketmaster, trying to get tickets for a concert, you know, and you're just going really, really fast. And then and then it's like you, you hit submit. and It's like, ah, I didn't get it. <laughs> Right. And and this happened to me for years. Then, you know, last, well, I wouldn't say years, but I mean, two or three years. And this finally, this past March, when he, he did it again, um, I got on and I got an email pretty quickly saying, all right, you are, you are slated for August to, mm-hmm. to, to get your you know commission. Let me know if you would like to see a picture of it, you know, before I send it to you, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Very professional very mm-hmm. professional um and then you know come august i get a an email hey rick here's your your commission uh tell me what you think and i'll send it out to you mm-hmm. and i got it like the first or second week of of November, um, september so you know he 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 made it very clear how long it was going to take he kept good communication and you know, kept his promise. So I highly recommend Chris Samney to to anyone out there who wants to get a commission. If you're so lucky enough to to get on yeah. his list, if you're patient enough to be hitting that list every time that you can, and being lucky enough to make it um, in one of those valuable slots. So let's talk about. Um, I think some people who who aren't into art uh, don't have all the like the background on it. Let's talk a little bit about you know investment. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think I think I think many of us justify <laughs> the money we're spending by saying it's an investment. I know I do. Uh, I look at it like I'm diversifying my retirement, <laughs> uh, you know, instead of giving my all this money to, you know, a broker to to I'm taking some of it and I'm putting it to art. And, you know, uh, quite frankly, I've never lost money on art. And I've I personally I know you haven't you have we haven't talked about this yet, but you haven't sold a piece. I probably have sold in the last five years, 30 pieces. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and why, you know, because um, I'm upgrading, mm-hmm. I'm looking to, you know, uh, you know, my, my budget was X five years ago and it's Z now. And so uh, I'm selling the, the lower price stuff to, to, to buy a larger price stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and like you had said before, um, it comes and goes, things change, you know, what you may have loved five years ago, maybe you don't love as much now, but you see something else that you do want. So, um, anyway, I, I, I've, like I said, I've, I've never lost money on anything. And I know there's been some debates out there in the community, uh, about commissions versus published. Like some people will say, oh, I'll never I'll never buy uh, unpublished artwork because you lose money when you go to try to sell it. And I've never lost money selling a, you know, a unpublished piece to anybody um, or else I, I wouldn't have sold it. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, w- do you have any thoughts on, on the investment aspect of, of art? First of all, I, I never look at it necessarily as, investment uh, because um, well I guess you can put the disclaimer even when you buy stocks that investment has inherent risk blah 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 we're not promising that you're going to make money Um, there's definitely some variability in um, our prices and like I said I well I've never lost because I don't sell um, my art I haven't in 10 years but um art has definitely gone up and I've gotten offers for um, more than what I paid for them. I think there's definitely something that if you are doing it for the investment, commissions are probably not the best idea. To me, commissions are about the experience with the artist and having that connection and that story to tell, but they're not going to attract as much of a crowd as a published piece because a published piece you're going to have all the people that read that story and are attached to that story and that have the nostalgia attached to it and they mm-hmm. know there's only going to be one piece um like that for chris samney um yeah despite the fact for example that it's hard to get on his list but if you try to sell 
that piece right away or fairly quick. Um, right now, somebody might say, well, I can get on his list and get a piece for not that much more than you or about the same price as you. And then he will draw what I want him to draw. So why would I want to buy a commission? And of course, then there's a conversation of our artists still doing art versus not our artists that are passed away that obviously cannot do commissions anymore and people are going to be willing to pay more. So I think a lot of it is going to depend on how long it's been uh, since you bought that piece. That's fair. That's a hundred percent fair. Um, I, I also would say there is safety in purchasing something that has already been drawn yes. because I don't know about you, but I know myself and, and some others that I've talked to that have commissioned an artist, gotten a piece and was disappointed. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it wasn't, what you're hoping for. And yeah. um, so there is, there is some, you know, being safe by seeing a piece that's already done mm -hmm. and saying, I love that piece, you know yeah. um, you know, I, I, so, so it could be either way. Yeah. Um, but I think back to the investment part though, I think the last few years have been very profitable, I guess, for, art for people that have wanted to sell and prices have gone up a lot. I don't know how much of it was, like you said, COVID and people sitting at home and not spending as much money and having more money to spend on nostalgia and things um, that they wouldn't have necessarily bought otherwise and whether that's going to maintain to go up. I don't think it will go down because I think most collectors, when they buy a piece, they're not going to sell it for less than what they bought it for they're going to at the very least break even so it's hard to lose money on it unless you're really desperate and just want to sell it to the person that gives you the best the first offer but um i think it's overall pretty safe as an investment i'm not sure i would sell it to my spouse or girlfriend or family as a sound investment decision except to make myself feel better about it <laughs> well like i said i that's how i justify it <laughs> my girlfriend but, looks at me and is like you spent how much in art and i was like but it's an investment and she's like yeah okay <laughs> well you know but you know i think you bring up a good point right uh it, it i it's like comics i mean it's no different than comics right people buy comics they read them they enjoy them uh, they collect them and then um you know, hope someday that they can turn around and, you know, get at least their money back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, like most collectibles, ultimately. The same thing for anybody that has any movie props is the same thing. People watch a movie, they're really attached to it. They enjoy, they want to buy a piece used in a particular movie and buy that as part of nostalgia and hope that if they ever need to sell it, it will not go down in price. To me, it's the same thing. Published art has that nostalgia associated with it yeah at least a hundred percent yeah the, the more nostalgia involved the more you're willing to to spend on it um and and i think um we all have our sweet spots mm -hmm. all right so a few more questions i just want to finish up here with um so you had mentioned before that your favorite captain america love interest is sharon carter yes uh so who draws for you? Who draws the best Sharon Carter? Oh, that's a tough decision. Um, I would say, actually, I enjoyed for Sharon Carter the way. <laughs> now, he's 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 looking around his room for inspiration. <laughs> but none of my covers, there's not a lot of covers that have Sharon Carter in them though. Um, you do have, don't you have that Sharon Carter cover of uh, of uh, Escape to Dimension Z where where she says Steve and he looks up? Yes. Um, I don't, that must not be one of your framed covers. No, it's not. One, it's one that should go into the rotation for sure. Um, I would say though, I really enjoyed the way um 
Epting in general drew not only Sharon but um the Black Widow uh Natasha in a lot of oh, yeah. issues. I think he had a great um way of drawing her for sure. I with and but with a lot of nostalgia, I also look at the way Kirby drew um maybe wasn't no, yeah, maybe it wasn't Sharon back in the day. Although I think, yeah, uh, there was Sharon. But I I like the way Kirby drew, um, yeah, Captain America's love interests um, for sure as well with that uh, style of um, hair and the clothes back from the 60s and all that stuff. But I would probably just pick Steve Epting um, in that run. Yeah. And if Bob was here, he would point out that Steve Epting drew Sharon Carter's skin tight costume. <laughs> yes. Um, she drew everybody's costume skin tight, um, yeah. including Sin, including, yeah, uh, Black Widow, everybody um, that he drew. Uh, all right. So my my uh, my final question for you is what is your Captain America original art grail what is not in your collection right now that one day if you got this you'd be like i'm i'm done i i i can die a happy man i will say and you mentioned why i have as many covers or pieces of art what i've been trying to do in my collection has been trying to get a representative piece from every major art um team on Captain America. And um, I feel like I have most of them. If I were to pick a grail, it would probably be either one of Romita Sr.'s um, covers um, in the, what was it, probably in the early 120s or whenever he was, he had his run of covers or um, probably the ultimate grail would be one of the, I think he only did two Steranko covers that he did for Captain America. And oh, I, yeah. Um, those would be amazing to get. Yes, I could mention um, Golden Age Captain America, but sadly, most of that got burned and destroyed over the ages, and there's very little left, if anything. There was one piece that came out, and the shape that it was in was pretty rough in auction. I, I know you and I talked about it was what? three months ago or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, the splash page. Yeah. And it was in pretty rough shape, but if there was something clean for sure, it would be a golden age. Otherwise it would be a Ramita senior or one of the Steranko covers, I think would be my grail. Um, All right. Well, I think someday you're going to get there. I, I have, I, if anybody can do it, it's going to be Alberto Gonzalez. And that might be one of those where I have to end up selling some art for. And <laughs> I would probably be okay with. Um, if you ever want the 265 cover, if I find one of those grail covers, you can have it. Oh, all right. I'm going to hold you to it. Uh, <laughs> you, we have a we have a recording now. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, tonight uh, on Comic Link, uh, in about a half an hour, there's a piece that's. Uh, going to end on auction it's captain america number five from volume seven so it's a john romita jr uh splash or half splash page are you going to be bidding on that or am i going to have an opportunity to win this i think you are it, everything's all yours for the time being after buying that zek cover i think you should take advantage and get as much as you can uh, <laughs> while you're replenishing your funds yeah um although i will have to show you and it might be arriving tomorrow i have a big splash of ian uh full page splash of ian from john romita uh jr's run um that i should be getting in the mail in the next couple of days and i'll post it for you to enjoy it and uh, get a little bit jealous uh, i'm always jealous always jealous how'd you how'd you get this one um yeah, for and I don't want to necessarily do a name dropping, but um, Nick Barucci, who um, is a, works for Dynamite uh, Entertainment, he yep. 
owns a lot of art and actually between yeah, him and I, we owned um eight of the ten uh yeah Romita Jr. covers from that run. I own four, he had four, but he had a bunch of um pages from that run as well. And he offered it to me because he is trying to buy another piece of art, incredible piece of art, not Captain America related, but he needed to raise funds and he I gotcha. Okay. Um see that's the nice thing. Connections. I, I gotta tell you, that's the nice thing about uh being known as the the Captain America art uh collector uh you you've you have that reputation in the community uh i'm 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 slowly breaking in uh some people some people know i i'm like the the i'm like the robin to your batman but uh i think you're getting that batman status because you're the one who actually has a facebook group dedicated to captain america that means you must be a much bigger fan uh, I don't know about so, that. Um, yeah. Well, we, well, I just don't have the deeper pockets. That's all. <laughs> um, all right. Well, well, I can't wait to see uh, what's next coming in your collection. And thank you, Alberto, for coming on the show. Uh, we really do uh, appreciate it. It was a fun conversation. I hope people learned a little bit about uh, original art during our conversation. And uh, stick around. We'll have a, another guest uh, at some point in the future for Art Captivated. Um, now, speaking of of John Romita Jr., next episode, come back uh, because uh, for episode 157, we will be in our penultimate uh, chapter of the Castaway in Dimension Z. So we'll be covering volume seven, number nine. And uh, we had, a, as as all of these, they, they always end with a cliffhanger. And, and uh, so Bob and I will be back next week to to cover episode nine of castaway and dimension z so that'll be fun so i uh, hope you come back for that all right again for alberto gonzalez uh, i'm rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the captain america comic book fans podcast 